We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to Yeo Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I am your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stangle. Hello. Hi. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. I know. I'm sorry I couldn't record last, last time. A successful work travel event? Yeah, it was successful. Have one more to go for this year in three weeks and then we don't see them again for like a whole year which will be nice to not travel for a year uh, for that project but people are lovely they remembered Willie the hotel remembered Willie the car rental place remembered Willie and like upgraded us to a minivan so he would be more comfortable Aww. so it was very nice and I'm sure we'll get them again next time because that airport is so small but yeah it was a very nice trip all right we are closing out pride month with Mm -hmm. a pretty awesome person like i didn't intend for this to happen but i'm pretty pleased that it happened this way (laughs) nice that's good that's good no long pig no long pig (sighs) awesome i wouldn't do that during pride month i mean no, never say never. You yeah, that's, that's will true. probably do it next year. <laughs> I say that now, and then a year from now, I'm be like, <laughs> but no. Today we are going to be discussing Julie Daubigny. It's mm, a nice name. Mm-hmm. Information was pulled from the following sources: a 2022 All That's Interesting article by Genevieve Carlton, 2022 Culture Trip article by Jade Cuddle. 2022 Historic Mysteries article by Lauren Dillon, 2019 Story of a City article by Laura Moore, 2017 Los Angeles Public Library article by Alan Westby, 2015 The Rake article by David Smeet, Badass of the Week, Encyclopedia.com, Kelly Garnier, Rejected Princesses, and two Wikipedia links. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. Nice. Got something you want to say? Shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas, see any gifts you send our way, or if you just want to say hello. We're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly, if you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby, or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes or over on our link tree to get started today. Julie Emily or Julie Emily Daubigny was born sometime around 1673, although some reports say it was as early as 1670. Okay. In Paris, the daughter of Gaston, Sur Daubigny, who was the secretary of Count d'Armagnac, the master of the horse for King Louis the Fourteenth. Okay, so like upper middle class kind of family. Mm-hmm. 
Just enough falutin, not high, mm-hmm. but falutin. Yeah. Mm. Middle tier falutin. Yeah. Upper middle falutin. Upper middle falutin, <laughs> yes. Okay. As one might say. Mm. Not much, if anything, is known about her mother, and it's believed she died giving birth to Julie. Oh, that's a bummer. That happens so often. Gaston, so her father, uh-huh. wasn't a great father figure. What? That never happened. Or no. still happens. And she's his only child. Mm-hmm. That potentially killed the woman he loved, involuntarily. Well, well. In charge well. of training the pages for King Louis XIV, when he wasn't working, he was fencing and a master swordsman. And when he wasn't fencing, he was hitting up gambling dens, bars, and brothels in the evenings. Great. So he was classic upper middle falutin Frenchman. Yeah. That's why I was like, when you said, oh, maybe he lost the woman that he loved. Mm, I don't Did he know. love anything? Love anything besides drinking. He might have loved And his, his daughter. He could have loved his sword, maybe. What man doesn't love his sword, am I right? (laughs) That isn't to say that he didn't spend time with his daughter, however. He did spend quite a lot of time teaching her horseback riding, fencing, as well as how to use a myriad of weapons to defend herself. You know, for when he's going to abandon you. (laughs) And you're on your own. (laughs) Yep. For when I leave you. In fact, by the age of 12... She could best any of the boys and many of the men who were also being taught by the master swordsmen in the king's court at Versailles. Okay. So kind of like an Arya Stark situation. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a I'm gonna be the best one. Mm-hmm. Women weren't often taught to fence, so it wasn't a common skill. Mm-hmm. As such, she only fought men and only on equal footing. So she was like, nice. I don't want you to give me any handicap. Like if we're going to fight, we're going to fight. Yep. Which is pretty badass. Put your sword where your face is. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to poke it so hard. It's believed that for the first nine years of her life, Julie grew up at the Tuileries Palace in Paris before mm-hmm. she and her father moved to Versailles in 1682. Okay. So it's probably not bad accommodations there either i would imagine Mm -mm. since gaston spent his days training the king's pages julie learned alongside them thanks to the royal tutors who taught her literature writing drawing singing dancing and grammar she spent much of her youth in the great stables and often dressed as a boy okay i wonder if that was just to avoid questions I think it was just because she was the only girl there. So it was like, it was just easier for her to just dress as a boy. Yeah. And I I would think too, it would cause less of a stir when she's like being educated. Well, and that that was something that came up too, is like, she was probably one of the few women that was given a proper education, given that she was learning alongside a bunch of other boys slash men or boys to men. (laughs) And... I also imagine it was much easier to learn fencing in men's clothing as opposed to wearing dresses. So I'm sure she just, that was just what she wore. Mm -hmm. Her dad probably didn't care. I doubt he cared at all. (laughs) Now, remember how I told you that Gaston worked for Count d'Armagnac? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy, born as Louis of Laurent, soon started to notice Julie. And when she was in her teens, she mm. became his mistress at the age of 14 or 15. Oh, no. I'm going to pause for a second. He was 46 and also married with 14 children, eight of which were older than her. So he was a prolific creep. Mm -hmm. Like just an all around gross Mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. I bet she totally volunteered and it was a completely consensual relationship. I'm sure there was no motive or push. Yeah. 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 Or there was no daddy issues situation, yeah. considering he was her dad's boss. But yeah, I kind of can't say no. Yeah. Julie was quite the beauty, having large blue eyes, an aquiline nose, pale white skin, lovely chestnut hair with blonde streaks, nice white teeth, which is important Rare. considering where she was, mm-hmm. and a purdy mouth. I added that part. But she was okay. she it was described as having a beautiful mouth, and I just like that's interesting. Yeah, she stood at around five foot three inches tall. Nice. Was slender, described as having a quote unquote small bust and quite life, which certainly helped with her fencing and agility. I bet being really small and leaf-like. And it also would help her kind of pass for a boy or a mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Whether he liked it or not, there was nothing that Gaston could do to try and defend his daughter's honor, considering he couldn't challenge his own boss to a duel. And that's if he was even aware of it. Hmm. He passed away when Julie was 17 at the age of 58. Cool. So now she's on her her own. Mm -hmm. Under the thumb of her father's boss. Mm -hmm. Great. After two years together, so this is a year prior to her father's death, during which time Julie became more and more wild, Louis decided that enough was enough, and in her father's absence, because I think at this point he was, like, really, really intoxicated, and he kind of, like, died from drinking and stuff, he arranged for her to be married to a fairly boring clerk from Saint-Germain-Houlet named Jean du Maupin in 1687. So get her away from the slightly terrible situation to a boring situation? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, to settle right. her down. I mean, you could try, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's the boring ones that are always kind of crazy, though. Mm-hmm. Their marriage appeared to be nothing more than an in-name only. Got it. As Louis has Jean sent away to live in Toulouse as a tax collector in the hopes that his affair with Julie could continue. Great. Awesome. Spoiler alert, it did not. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Julie took up with a master swordsman named Henri Serrant, and the pair fled Paris together after he killed a rival in a duel. So she had many suitors. Dang. Mm-hmm. Dang, girl. Parisian police... Specifically, the lieutenant general of police, Nicolas Gabriel Dularigny, gave chase, but thankfully for the couple, no one in southern France knew who either of them were, and they were able to avoid detection. 
Nice. The reason that one lieutenant general is important is because he has been named the father of the modern police force. Oh, dang. So that's a fun fact for you. That is a fun fact. Julie and Sarong decided to travel around the countryside as performers and would hold fencing demonstrations with Julie dress dressing as a man, although she kept her natural golden curls, which was really the only clue to the fact that she was, in fact, a woman. Nice. Julie was so good at swordsmanship that she actually surpassed Saron in skill, and during one of their performances, a drunken heckler said she had to be a man because no woman could fight like that. LOL. In response, she tore off her shirt, giving pretty substantial proof to the contrary. Nice. She also challenged men in the audience to fight her during their performances, and not only that, Sweet. she would sing songs to them about how much they sucked at sword fighting as she bested them. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. One of Julie's character quirks was the fact that she grew bored easily, which... That I mean, kind of checks out. I mean, she was so overstimulated as a kid. I can imagine yeah. if she's only doing like one or two things out of the eight million she was doing at one point. Mm -hmm. It would get slow. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't long into her career with Sarong that she decided she was done with him. Mm. Around this time, <laughs> Julie fell in love once again, this time to a woman named Cecilia Bortigoli, a local merchant's daughter. Okay. Horrified by the news, <laughs> Cecilia's family had her sent to a convent in Avignon, but that didn't stop Julie. She went to the convent, didn't she? She joined the same convent. Oh, yeah. And the pair continued their torrid relationship. Nice. It wasn't long into their admittance to the convent that a nun there passed away. And you're probably thinking to yourself, Lindsay... What does the death of this random nun have to do with this story? I am so glad you asked. <laughs> they totally murdered her, didn't they? It's better than that. They murdered her so dead. See, for some reason, Julie saw this as her golden opportunity to break her and her lover out of the convent. Okay. How, you may ask? Through the casket? By robbing the grave of the recently deceased putting her body in Cecilia's room, and then setting it on fire so they could make their escape, with the ruse being that it was Cecilia and not the dead nun who had met their fiery end. That escalated so much. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you just, there was, how, how many plans were there before that? I don't know, but that's the one that they went with. Listen, we need to set this lady on fire so we can escape. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> How do you? Because they'll be so busy staring at the fire that they mm. won't notice when two women run away from the convent. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? So for around three months in 1689, the women traveled and enjoyed their freedom together to further explore their relationship. Mm -hmm. But as we know about Julie... She soon grew bored, and she brought right. Cecilia back home to her parents before taking off for Paris. At least she dropped her off, and she was like, hey, deuces, love you, mean it. At least she wasn't just like, um, 
it's not you it's me peace out and just like leaves her in like some random countryside in france (laughs) go live your best life thank you for this we'll always have the convent it's been real and (laughs) they'll believe it's a miracle because you're not Mm -hmm. dead Mm -hmm. you're welcome while visiting a bar on her way back to paris julie was the recipient of some unwanted attention from a man named louis joseph d'albert duluin just name him joe Jeff. He hit on her with the line, quote, I've listened to your chirping, but now tell me of your plumage, end quote, which is the 17th century equivalent of does the carpet match the drapes? Gross. Unimpressed. Yeah. Julie proceeded to get into a fight with not only Dalbert, mm-hmm. but also two of his buddies. Oh, I'm sure. Once they found out that she could actually fight, they had to intervene. She not only won, but she mm-hmm. also impaled him through the shoulder with her sword. Holy smokes. That's a big bone to just put a sword through. The next day, she felt bad about sticking it to him, shall we mm. say. So she went to visit him in the hospital. Why? And apparently she wasn't that mad at him anymore because the pair ended up dating for a while. What? And it turned out that he was actually a grandee, or the son of a duke. Of course. (laughs) What if there was a little blackmail sprinkled into that (laughs) after she visited him? After separating when he received orders to join the German army, they continued to remain friends and would reconnect from time to time throughout the rest of her life. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So that happened. I don't know if I would call that a meet cute. It was something, though. It it was a meeting mm-hmm. that lasted a while. Mm-hmm. Really impaled through the shoulder. And he mm-hmm. was like, you know what? I like you. <laughs> you got moxie. She's like, you know, you look more handsome in the daylight. So I don't care about your plumage. You can have whatever plumage <laughs> you want. Around this time, Julie took professional singing lessons from a man named... Marichal, who was impressed with her talent. Mm. See, even though she couldn't read music, she had an almost photographic memory, which allowed her to memorize the music after going through it just a few times. Mm. And it was his urgings that led her to seek fame and fortune at the Paris Opera. This would prove to be an issue, though, if she was dead. True. You can't be dead and rising to stardom at the same time i mean you could but not during that time i don't think yeah see unbeknownst to julie news of her spectacular exploits at the convent had reached the aches in province and she was sentenced to death by fire in absentia under the name of sir du maupin for the crimes of arson Mm -hmm. kidnapping Mm -hmm. and body snatching I mean, she did do all of those things. She did. She did. Yeah. Uh, you you made that bed and set fire to it, so now you gotta... <laughs> you gotta you also need to lay in a fiery bed. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Mm-hmm. Bed fire for a bed fire, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After learning that she was to be executed, Julie reached out to her first lover, Louis, or her dad's boss... Mm-hmm and implored him to use his influence to persuade the king to let her live. 
Okay. How did that go? Somehow, he was able to do so. Great. You know, she seems fun. (laughs) And King Louis XIV had her death sentence revoked. Capitalizing on her narrow escape from death, Julie decided it was as good a time as any to continue her true passion, performance. Julie's talents were so great that she traveled to Paris, where she was offered a role at the opera Du Marseille alongside her newest lover, Gabrielle Vincent de Vignard, and the pair debuted at the Paris Opera in 1690. Nice. She was 17. I was just going to say how, like, this seems like a long span of time, but it probably is not. Correct? It is not. She it's is like 17. Months. Yeah. Like maybe a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like, based on what you've said so far, I wouldn't be surprised if she was in her late 20s, early 30s. But no, she just escalates quickly all the time. Mm-hmm. That's kind like of her MO. Jason Statham movie. <laughs> she is. <laughs> what's what's the one where he has to have adrenaline all the time so he doesn't die? I think it's like Crank or something like that. Crank, yeah. 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 She is Jason Statham in Crank right now. Yeah. That's Julie. Jason Statham could never. He doesn't have the good hair. He doesn't. Sorry, Jason. Truth hurts. Julie, who was a mezzo-soprano, leapt onto the chance to perform on stage and soon took up the stage name La Mopé for the Académie Royale du Musique. Nice. She also became one of the opera's first contralto singers, whose vocal range is the lowest for female singers. Nice. That would make sense. Mezzo-soprano could Mm -hmm. do a lower alto. Mm -hmm. La Mopin performed four nights a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Sundays, at the Palais Royal, and one listener stated that she had, quote, the most beautiful voice in the world, end quote. Of course she did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sure. She performed in all of the opera's major productions from 1690 to 1694. Oh, so she actually stayed there for a while. Mm-hmm. Probably the longest she's been somewhere since her daddy was alive. Mm-hmm. And if you think that Julie's wild ways were behind her following her death sentence, please, you would be so wrong. So wrong. She skirted death, what, a couple times now? Yeah. If anything, they dialed up to 11. Great. See, back in the 17th century, opera singers were the equivalent of pop sensations, and Julie was no different. So she could do no wrong. Mm -hmm. She played a number of strong female roles on stage, and in one of her most famous, she played the role of an Arabian warrior princess, in which she wore full armor while fighting the male lead. That would be really heavy, and she was Mm -hmm. a small person. Mm -hmm. Dang. And she also knew how to fight, so it would be more... Authentic. To do it night after night, too. Mm-hmm. She also played a number of other legendary women from history, such as Medea, Diana, and Pallas Athena. Nice. And here are just a couple examples of her rock star-esque behavior, just in case you don't believe me. Oh, I believe you, but um, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah, these are, these are worth including. Mm. One of her male counterparts a tenor opera singer by the name of Dumenil, seemed to delight in sleeping with and trash-talking his female co-stars. Great. 
After rebuffing his advances and learning that he'd called her a pretty foul name, she ambushed him dressed as a man and challenged him to a duel. Nice. Dumanil, who was a spineless coward, mm -hmm. refused to fight. So instead, she beat him soundly with a cane before stealing his watch and snuff box. As one does. Mm -hmm. Let's just beat the ever-loving snot out of my coworker who needs to uh, function and have a nice face. Mm -hmm. Sure. For people that don't know what snuff or a snuff box is, snuff is a finely ground tobacco that you inhaled like cocaine, mm -hmm. which was considered quite the luxury at the time. I bet. So of course you'd take it. Mm -hmm. Well, the next day, Dumanil was telling anyone who would listen that he had been assaulted by a gang of scoundrels. Oh, wow. Who had robbed him. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sounds intense. Julie called him out for being a liar before she threw his snuff box and watch at him, stating that she, quote, had architected his ass beating, end quote, herself. Nice. Well, this next one got her into a little bit of trouble. Oh, you know, not like the body snatching or anything. Uh, kind of on the same tier. Oh, great. <laughs> She's like, you know what I did when I was younger? <laughs> I'm going to do it again. <laughs> Let's go for broke. Let's right. see what happens. Two for two. Almost got set fire once. Let's try it again. Julie attended a ball at the palace of King Louis XIV under the invitation of his brother, Prince Philippe du Diorlon, who happened to be a known crossdresser. That's just a fun fact. Nice. Which doesn't seem like much of anything, really, yeah. until you learn that she attended it dressed as a man. Oh, then it was just like the other parties. Not just that. Okay. But she spent the majority of her time at said ball wooing a young marquis, which did not go over well with the three cis men that had also been trying to woo her. Nice. Nice. She took things to the next level... When she kissed the young lady in front of everyone. That was not a thing you did back then. Nope. Which incensed the men so much that all three of them promptly challenged her to a duel. Unsurprisingly, she accepted. Of course. She and the three men held their duels outside a, in a park near the Louvre. And it shouldn't surprise you to learn that she handed all three of them their asses, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. There are some conflicting accounts that she actually killed all three of them, but I couldn't find anything that backed up those claims. Yeah. What I do know is that she returned to the party after she <laughs> kicked all their asses. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that sounds like sounds like her, you know. Yep. King Louis thought the whole thing was hilarious. I'm sure he did. And in an act of goodwill, he pardoned her from any sort of punishment that she might have endured as a result of her duels, oh as the God. law only banned men from dueling. It said nothing about women doing it. Everybody loves a loophole. See, you're probably waiting for the but since I told you she got in trouble. Anti-dueling laws were in effect at the time, and uh -oh. the punishments for dueling were pretty severe. And even though she had received a royal pardon, Julie wasn't taking any chances. So she decided to make a hasty retreat to Brussels in 1696 until kind of the fervor around her royal antics had died down. Sure. Yeah. Why not? While there, 
she started a relationship with the Elector of Bavaria, Maximilian II Emmanuel, but the relationship didn't last very long at all. Hmm. Julie had taken up acting once more while in Brussels with the opera Duque au Foin between late 1697 and mid-1698, and Maximilian was a bit bewildered as to why Julie actually stabbed herself with a dagger on stage during a performance in which she was completing suicide. Like, he was like, why the hell would you do that? Does he know? Acting! About <laughs> props? <laughs> Were there not props then? Just, like, real... I don't know. Apparently she actually stabbed herself. Mm. She's a real method actor, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he thought she was a bit insane, which might explain why he tried to bribe her with 40,000 lira, or about 530,000 euro today, to get her to leave Brussels altogether. You're scary. I need you to leave. (laughs) (laughs) You're the type of person that will uh, die on me or be the end of me, so I need you to go. It might also have been due to the fact that he had moved on and started a relationship with a ballet dancer while the pair were still together. Not great. She's got kind of a violent past, too. Yeah. Granted, it's like people who are the aggressors first. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think she would be opposed to being the first aggressor. Mm-hmm. In response... Julie hurled the money at him and gave him a severe tongue lashing. In some tellings of the event, she threw the coin purse at his groin, while in another, she kicked him down a set of stairs. Both are are plausible, so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or all three, honestly. Is it a tongue lashing and she cut off his tongue? Because (laughs) (laughs) that is also a possibility. Mm -hmm. Following her disastrous sojourn to Brussels, Julie returned to Paris in 1698 and returned to the Paris Opera that same year, taking over as the lead singer of the company when La Rochois retired. Nice. Her former lover, Gabrielle Vincent, was still with the company, and the pair reconnected, if you know what I mean, upon mm-hmm. her return, but their relationship was tumultuous Great. at best. In fact, during one performance, she bit his ear hard enough to draw blood. She's fun. She's so fun. She Mike Tyson did. She said. Well. Before that was even a thing. She didn't bite it off, but she, I mean, she bit it real hard. Ouch. She surprisingly reunited with her husband because she's still married. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of forgot that she was married. Yeah. (laughs) She's not dead. He's not dead. It's still real. Yep. Yeah. She surprisingly reunited with her husband, Jean, in 1701, and the pair lived together until he passed away a few years later. She also fell in love with a soprano singer, and when her advances were rebuffed, she, quote, tried to kill herself, end quote. And shortly after this, she threatened to blow the Duchess of Luxembourg's brains out when she had gotten back together with Dalbert, mm-hmm. and he was dating the Duchess at the same time, mm. and she didn't like that very much. No, she, she's got a pattern of, of being the, the one, the only lady. Yep. 
And she also ended up in court for attacking her landlord. Yeah. Yeah, that that checks out. All of that checks out. Yeah, so it was a busy time for her. Mm -hmm. Throughout that, in 1702, Julie had the supreme honor of having an opera written exclusively for her by composer André Comprat. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I yeah, I guess. She uh, why why do all of these nice things keep happening to this very intense woman? I don't know. In 1703, she started a relationship with Marie Therese Louise du Sanitaire du Le Tronge, the Marquis du Florensac. Okay. Marie was described in 1897 as quote the most beautiful woman in France, end quote, and actually had to flee to Brussels for a time as well due to the Dauphin's obsession with her. So they have that in common. Yeah. Fleeing to Brussels. Yeah. And she's like, I honestly don't recommend it. My ex is there and I almost like murdered him. So yeah, I may or may not have kicked him down a flight of stairs. Who knows? It's just a few steps, you know? Yeah. Speculation. They were made of marble or storm. It's stupid. Yeah. Fake news. Marie was also one of the most well-connected and rich women in the country. Yeah. Unlike her previous paramours, Julie and Marie spent two years together until Marie passed away on July 2nd, 1705, after a two-day fever. After this, Julie retired from the opera. She was so distraught following Marie's death, with whom she had, quote, dwelt in such affection they believed to be perfect, end quote, that she just couldn't go on. So sad. There are reports that she turned to religion to cope with her sorrows and actually went back to a convent for real until her death at the age of 34 in November of 1707. She reportedly died due to an unknown illness. Which was super common at the time. Mm-hmm. How'd they die? I don't know. They got sick. They're bleeding out the ears. Yeah. Some weird colors coming out their nose. It's probably sin. <laughs> yep. It might have been fire. It might have been know. sin. Yeah. Yeah. Probably sulfur. It's fine. A vibrant and vivacious character, she was known as a cross-dressing bisexual with exceptional skills as a singer, swordsman, and lover. I'm going to leave you with a quote that I think sums her up best from La Maupé herself. Quote, I am made for perils as well as for tenderness. End quote. Accurate. And that is Julie Daubigny or La Maupé. Damn. Crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Insane. Like, that's a, that's a wild 34 years. <laughs> yeah. And like... Yeah. Honestly, probably a really, just a really intense, like, 15. (laughs) Yeah. Like, just, I don't know. I don't know how she could do that constantly. That's. Yeah. That's not medicating. No. (laughs) At all. I know there were a few other, like, lovers sprinkled in throughout there. And she did. She worked several operas. I didn't go too deep into, like, the opera part of it. But. Throughout the course of her time working in the opera, she was in probably well over like 50 productions and yeah. did a number of roles. And mm-hmm. yeah, 
Yeah, I th- I think it would probably be similar to like a quote unquote troubled star mm-hmm. where you have to move to different venues because you become so insufferable with just how tumultuous you are. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I'm sure any sort of scandal, no matter what scale, was tough for them to stomach. I mean, the the public loved her. So like, yeah, they, I mean, they she ate was up. Super Any chaotic. sort of scandal that came up with her, oh, they yeah. were like, nom, 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 nom. give us well, more. <laughs> yeah, she was doing it to like really highfalutin people that everyone mm-hmm. hated. So, yep. and giving the finger to the opera while also asking them for money and work. <laughs> 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 and getting it. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. For sure. Very rock and roll. Yeah. Of course she would be, she'd be like a folk tale in Brussels taking mm-hmm. down a super fancy royal person. Mm-hmm. Son of a duke, right? Maximilian, I think. Maximilian was elector of Bavaria. Okay. But the duke, that was in France. Okay, yeah. that was the sword that guy. Happened. Yeah, that Shoulder. was the guy. Shoulder. And man. that was the guy that she threatened to kill his lover with a pistol. Yeah. And he was like, I think this might be the thing where we can't be together anymore yeah yeah i think it's time i think it's time that we part ways i mean i love you but you're kind of scary i'm not gonna make the same mistake to give you money (laughs) or ask you to leave so i'm gonna go with my money and my other lady and i'll see you never i'll see you later it's it's been it's been great it's been weird Let's never do this again. <laughs> it's not me. It's you. But um, also, I'm going to run away now. <laughs> I can't. I will never have a restful sleep in my life until you're dead. Exactly. See you later. Bye. I will never know peace until you die. <laughs> yeah. Please leave me alone. If you're interested in ad-free content... Consider supporting us with a one-time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad-free content, not to mention some bonus material, become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. Hi, I'm Chelsea B. For those of you who don't know me, let me introduce myself. I'm not a life coach, a therapist, or a certified anything really. Heck, I don't even have a college degree. I am, however, a regular old human with a huge heart and problems, just like you. If you're looking for a podcast to solve all of life's mysteries and show you how to become super successful, you're in the wrong place. This is Beyond the Picket Fence, a podcast that tells the behind the scenes of people's lives to remind you that no one is perfect. This is officially your invitation to take a break from trying to keep it all together. Let's get real. This week's podcast plug is the Beyond the Picket Fence podcast. Take a break from quote-unquote keeping it together. Let these courageously vulnerable stories inspire you to replace negative comparison with compassion, not just for others, but for yourself as well. Be gentle with yourself. Learn to love and honor you while allowing space for others to do the same. Let's choose kindness because you never truly know what's going on for someone beyond the picket fence. And we will have a link to their show in the show notes. And Chelsea from Beyond the Picket Fence is mm-hmm. a future 
can you crack the cramp word participant? Nice. So we'll probably hear her again awesome. sometime down the road. And this week's listener question is from our friend Carrie Ann. And she wants to know, is there any time period you like to go where you can make a big change for the better? My automatic answer is no. (laughs) 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 Only because I I honestly feel like the only way I could make anything in history better is if I time traveled as a cis white man. This is true. You know, and like probably not like a young man, but like a seasoned, confident looking man who could like trick people into thinking he's important. Mm -hmm. But like as me, no, I'd die so fast. I'd die within less than 24 hours. And if I was like, hey, ladies need to read, they just like beat the crap out of me or like set me on fire. And (laughs) you're a witch. So I don't I don't think so. I think for me, I don't I don't know if I could make things better. And even like when you think of saving somebody, like saving a famous person or a politician or something, that still doesn't guarantee that people will would have listened to them. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it took it takes their death for their mm-hmm. message to really come through. So no, I don't think I would no. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> the short answer is no. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? My first thought, and I don't really know why it came up this way, but I wouldn't be traveling back super far if I were to go back to any period of time. It would be to prevent the atom bomb from being used and instead having them use the other plan they had to attack the Japanese during World War II, which I think also, I think would have failed, but it would have been funnier to have it like be part of history where they were going to attach tiny little bombs to bats and release bats in Japan because they would go and hide in the rooftops Mm -hmm. of the Japanese. And then if they blew up, then it would burst into flames and all their things were made out of like wood. So then their homes would burn down. Not that that would be good, but I have a feeling it would not have worked and a lot less people would have died and gotten hurt if there were just bats instead of a bomb. Yeah. And I like bats, so there's that too. That's fair. (laughs) That was like the stupidest answer That was really... I was like, I was like, no, I can't change anything because I'm a lady. And you're like, I would have bats instead of bombs. <laughs> wow. We are the two greatest people to ever go back in history ever. <laughs> I'm just like, let there be bats. And then I just like release, release the bats and they don't really do anything. But yeah. But then they'd be an invasive species in Japan, so that would probably have far-reaching consequences. Yeah. Either way, it would save a lot of people. And bats? Question mark? I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. On that note, what's something good you'd like to share? (laughs) So I've been gone for a week Mm -hmm. for work, and I was really pleasantly surprised when I came back, and my raspberry bush is growing berries 
It had so many like little flowers. And now I'm learning that raspberry berries like pop up with each individual kernel. Oh. Yeah. So like all of these have like a couple kernels. (laughs) I don't know what to call them. Like Like, a a cob of corn, but it's just berry kernels. Yeah. Like little raspberry kernels. And they're like all cropping up. And I've got two very handsome looking beefsteak tomatoes that are green but they're Ooh. there and they're on the top so like i'm nervous about them because why well, i think i grow at the tippy top where it's not safe and there's so much wind <laughs> all the time <laughs> they're not safe <laughs> i want them to ripen but i also like don't want to bring the plants inside during a storm because they're full of spiders <laughs> yeah <laughs> are just riddled with spiders (laughs) and every time i bring them in the next day i have to vacuum like nine or ten spiders throughout the house like they're just things in various sizes and colors and shapes and Mm -mm. half of which are poisonous i guess Mm -mm. so that's fun no no so i'm just hoping that this storm will be kind to my poor the poor little plants, because I'm not, I'm not protecting them this time. I have them up behind the the grill, and we're hoping for the best. <laughs> hoping for the best. The power of grill, yeah, <laughs> protect you. May, may the grill protect you from the winds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. that's my good thing. I was really excited that like the raspberry bush is already flowering. That's really cool. That is really cool. What about you? What's one good thing? I actually cleaned my office. Nice. How does it feel? <laughs> it feels... It's like gross. I, I, I and I hate lo- it. I keep looking at it and just like waiting for all the junk to materialize again. <laughs> and like it's like, like a mirage or something. Yeah. So for people that don't know, I mean, we've talked about it before. I have depression. Like it's not a new thing. But one of the fun side effects of depression is that you just aren't motivated to do things sometimes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it manifests in just like letting your office become a storage facility for random things that you just don't feel like organizing and putting away. And my office was that for probably six months. Yeah, It's been a while. Mm -hmm. It's, It's been a time. And... I finally on, I don't know what day that was, some sometime this week, I just decided I'm going to take care of it. And nice. I did. I spent three hours doing it and threw away a bunch of crap that I don't need. And I organized my other crap and vacuumed my floor. And it's so clean in here now. Nice. It's so clean, Maddie. So clean. That's awesome. I like it. So I'm going to see how long I can keep it this way. And I can't wait to show my therapist on Wednesday and be like, look what I did. That's awesome. They're going to be so excited. Shannon's going to be so happy. So yeah, that's my good thing. Is I conquered my depression for one day and I cleaned up my office. That is a huge victory. Yeah. That's so cool. Now I just need to channel that into another room and just kind of keep Keep the yeah. good times rolling. So one day at a time, you know. Yep, tiny victories. Yeah, tiny That's victories. Awesome. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube, click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. On that note, a great way to support the show if you can't do so financially is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, Podcast Addict, or really wherever you can leave a rating and review. It's greatly appreciated. Yeah. And if you send it to us, we will read it on the show. Yeah, you should you should do it on a sidewalk with chalk and take a picture of it. Send it to us. Yeah, that's a thing you could do. That's a thing you could do, you know? You don't have internet? No problem. You could also just, like, tell your friends about the show and, like, tag us on social media and be really like, cool. hey, I just introduced my friends to your show and they like it. And I'll be like, that's cool. Yeah. You're awesome. And we like that. You you can tell them, you'd be like, hey, uh, do you like eavesdropping in public spaces? Because that's what this podcast sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> you should you should listen to it it's pretty great it's like if you were listening to a really strange conversation like right before a movie or at a diner <laughs> or in a coffee shop or on maybe the bus. Even, yeah waiting at an airport you know i don't know where you listen to things but yeah that's that's yeah. probably where you're listening to us yep yep or in the seat behind you mm-hmm. talking about weird old shit mm-hmm. in your ears Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Facebook and Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. On TikTok? Of course you are. Follow us at yieldcrimepodcast. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.